The text this morning is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Please turn in your Bibles with me. Again, it's Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of the Lord. Greetings, Holy Trinity, family, and all who are here for the service today. I trust that you've engaged in worship in ways that will, in fact, keep you singing once this service is over. We must not let the uncertainty and the instability of the times that we find ourselves in either to stifle or to steal our song. God has declared his love for this world in that he has sent his son into the world that we might have life through him. And with the coming of Jesus, great themes of love and joy and light and peace and hope are infused with fresh meaning for the present and for the future. So pray with me if you will. Father, may you be glorified through the proclamation of your word in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Fan the flames of hope that for some have been dim this year. May the Advent season be a breath of fresh air for all of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Camera phones. What a marvelous innovation. With those, we're able to capture sermons like I'm preaching today. We also can capture various sights and sounds, moments that cause joy and some moments, as we've seen, that really bring sorrow and sadness. If you're like me and your camera roll on your phone includes shots of people, places and other things that you and I find valuable. My camera roll includes pictures of nature, sunrises and sunsets in particular. They really, really captivate me. And sometimes my wife surely hears me sigh with delight as I catch a glimpse of either the sun coming up in the east or setting in the west. Such beauty uh, really inspires my heart to worship God. I mentioned this because of what we have seen, what is captured on the pages of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 1. Now, you know that what's captured there is not relative to the S-U-N son, it, in a very stunning way, 
you and I have gotten to see, and John has done some wonderful exposition in Hebrews 1, we get to see how the S-O-N son is portrayed. The book of Hebrews, in a very masterful way, exposes the splendor, the majesty of God's great son. And so we come today to chapter 2. And we encounter in chapter 2 another feature of the book of Hebrews. The writer here shifts from providing specific information about Jesus as he has done in chapter 1, but he shifts to from explaining to exhorting to encouraging and to warning his hearers in us. The warning in today's text is the first of five such warning passages that we see in the book of Hebrews. In a way, these warning passages are like blinking lights, if you will. They call our attention to dangers, the consequences of losing sight of the sufficiency of Jesus, allowing other things, and hear me when I say this, allowing other things to eclipse the sufficiency of Jesus. Christians in that day and in this day are in danger of losing spiritual bearings. There there can be prone to drifting away from the basic foundational truths of the Christian faith. And can I encourage those who are hearing this today? You're feeling a bit lost, uncertain, confused, drifting. Can I encourage you to allow them this message to help you to rethink and to reorient and for some of you to return to Jesus, who is our altogether sufficient Lord and Savior. Can I give you this sermon in a sentence, if you will? A simple sentence today will help us grasp the essence of what we see in this text. And here it is. Great salvation through a great son demands a great response. Can I say it again? Great salvation through a great son demands a great response. Let's turn our attention, first of all, to great salvation. Huh? Listen to the way that this warning passage actually begins in Hebrews 2 uh, verses uh, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. What in fact had this writer's audience heard? They had in fact heard about a great salvation through a great son. 
Turn back over to chapter one and take a look at verses two and three. Matter of fact, let me start with verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many places, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And here it is. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. A great salvation through a great son. Those verses are really, really packed. But it also speaks about the purification, the high priestly work of when Jesus came to offer himself as a sacrifice for the forgiveness, the purification of sins. Look at verse three, back to Hebrews chapter two, because in verse three, that's where we see the phrase great salvation And it is wrapped, if you will, in a rhetorical question. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? The expected answer, of course, is that we won't escape if we neglect a great salvation. How is it that the salvation we have in and through Jesus, in fact, is great? What's in view In this word, so great, it's not the mega word. It's another word that's translated great. And what's in view is something that is so large and so important and so significant and so grand. The salvation is great in that Uh, It's because of its ultimate source. It is a salvation that comes from the God of heaven, the God of the universe, and which he is drawing sinful mankind in and to himself in his love. It's not only great because it's all of its ultimate source being God. It's great because of its immediate source. God the Son, God provides it through his Son. Jesus, in coming to give us and provide this great salvation, he made a personal appearance. In Jesus, God came to provide our salvation. The great work of salvation required nothing less. It's great in its ultimate source. God is great in its immediate source, the Son of God, but it's also great in its scope, how big and wide and broad. It's great in its power. It's great in its impact. It's it's great in its results and what it accomplishes, bringing lost humanity unto God in and through Jesus. What follows in the Hebrews chapter two here 
are features of the great salvation that God has given through his great son. Huh? How shall we escape if we neglect a, such a great salvation? Here it is. It was declared at the first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Huh? It originated with Jesus. Huh? His earthly ministry here is in view. It was declared at first by the Lord, the Lord Jesus, that is. Huh? Peter, in Acts chapter 10, verses 10 through 38, really speaks of this, the ministry of Jesus. Peter is there at the house of Cornelius. God had prompted him and helped him to see that he should call nothing, no person, no man, common or unclean. And here he is, he's there at Cornelius' house and he speaks in verses 36 through 38, as for the word that he, God, sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It originated with Jesus. His earthly ministry is in view. Huh? Uh, Jesus in his words and in his works, it began with him. God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself but also was passed on to those who heard him. It was attested to us by those who heard the Lord, who heard the word, huh? Those who heard and were ordained by him to make disciples. And isn't that the way that it goes? Faithful witnesses pass on the truth that they have heard. Jesus passed the word on to his apostles. His apostles proclaimed to others. And just think of the scope, the length, the breadth of how that word has gone out, that mustard seed planted in backwoods Galilee and, and, and in Palestine. It's gone to the war world, huh? But it was also, God also bore witness to his great salvation through his great son, huh? by bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Huh? Christ witnesses uh, and God also bearing witness he validated the great salvation through his son. How did he do it? Signs 
and wonders, various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The ministry of the new covenant through Jesus and the apostles given great credibility by God himself, validation by God himself uh, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, miracles, uh, even as in other areas, previous eras of redemptive history where miracles came into play in the days of Moses and the days of Elijah, validated the authenticity of the message that was given by those who shared it. The involvement of Father, Son, and Spirit in matters regarding great salvation, and such is the pattern even now in our day, huh? The mention of salvation in verse three, where again, it's called great salvation, reconnects us with what has been said already. Take a look at chapter one, verse 14, speaking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Huh? Again, Jesus is the one who saves. Angelic beings by God's order a minister to though they don't provide salvation themselves. That's the ministry of God's son. But they do minister uh, to those who have been saved by God's great son. Huh? Jesus provides it. Angels are on assignment for those who are saved. Huh? Salvation, that is rescue, deliverance by the hand of God. It's something that Zechariah in Luke chapter one actually sung about. Huh? Take a look at Luke chapter one, if you will. I want to read verses 68 to 75. Salvation comes into focus in that particular passage. Listen for salvation words, even as I read verses 68 through 75. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation, a source, an instrument of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. So this was a prophetic uh, song of sorts that spoke about what God was doing in that time in the coming of Christ uh, in the house of his servant, David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, that we should be, here's our word, saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him 
all of our days, huh? Salvation through God's great son. Concepts inherent in salvation include, again, rescue or deliverance. Huh? There's no greater rescue, no greater liberation from sin uh, than through, uh, no greater liberation than liberation from sin through the person and work of Jesus and the forgiveness that he provides. That's salvation. And that's what the writer has in mind in Hebrews. Great salvation through a great son demands and even deserves a great response. Great salvation. Now let's take a look at the great response. Look at chapter 2 beginning at verse one again. Therefore, we must play, pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we should drift from it. Huh? For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedient received a just retribution, huh? Greater revelation, greater message, greater attention needed. Because the revelation that we received in and through Jesus is greater. It's the message of God from God in the person of his son. You and I must hear and heed that message for sure. Huh? The message declared by angels uh, when ignored, when they strayed from that, when it was brushed aside, people received punishment that fit the, the offense back under the old order. That's what's in view in verse two. The message referred to was the law of Moses. It was believed that the giving of the law was mediated by angels, huh? That was the understanding of some in the day of writing of the book of Hebrews, that angels played some kind of role in the giving of the law of Sinai. So that's what's in view in what we see in verse two. In other words, there were consequences for refusing to heed the law and its demands. Huh? The logic, of course, is this that if this was the case under the old order, how much more in the case with the newly inaugurated order through God's great son. Refusal to heed Jesus will result also in divine correction from God. If there's anything, friends, that you and I must not be casual about, it's about our relationship with the God of heaven. It's entering into a relationship with the living God of the universe. It's not something that you and I should be casual about. Great salvation demands a great response. What does that response then look like? What are some of the features of the great 
response that you and I should have to the great salvation through God's great son. Huh? It demands from you and me conscientious consideration and application. We must be careful with the truth we've heard regarding the superior son of God. The word in the text here is pay attention, huh? pay close attention so we do not drift away. Drift away, that's the word in the text. Is it not? Huh? Drift away from it. The idea is to, like, like flowing past something that's really important. Huh? That's what is in view here to sort of glide by something that you really should be stopping by. One writer notes the following regarding the word that's translated drift away. It's used as something flowing or slipping past. It can be used for a ring that slips off the finger of a particle of food that has slipped down the wrong way. It's regularly used as something which has carelessly or thoughtly been allowed to become lost. The word can be used of a ship which has been carelessly allowed to slip past a harbor or a haven because the mariner has forgotten to allow for the wind or the current of the tide. A vivid picture of a ship drifting to destruction because the pilot is asleep, huh? Pay attention to what we've heard of the sun and regarding the sun so that we will not drift. Some years ago when Shirley and I celebrated one of our milestone anniversaries, I purchased her a new set of wedding rings. Now, if those rings had come simply from a cracker jot box, it would not be anything if she lost them. Huh? But they aren't. The monetary and the sentimental value demands the kind of care that matches the worth of those rings. Huh? How do you think I'd feel if she allowed those rings to sort of slip off her finger. One day I see her, I say, honey, where are, the, where are your rings? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> they must have slipped off. <laughs> I would not be a happy camper and I'm sure that she would not be. But the point again is something that is so valuable and so precious demands that we would be careful and not casual. Consider the Christian life, your Christian life. Is my life Christianly casual that I just allow myself to sort of drift along rather than being specifically tethered to the truth, God's truth in active ways? Is the Christian life and what we have in Christ so great and so valuable uh, that uh, it deserves our investment of time and energy 
and thought and prayer that we might grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and become more like him in our thinking and in our desires and in our living. Huh? Careful, not casual, as it relates to this great salvation. What comes into view in verse 2 is the consequences of dismissing God under the old order. If the neglect under the old order was met with appropriate just punishment, huh? Just a just retribution, a just punishment. What awaits those who fail to embrace the message through God's Son? Hebrews 10, verses 28 through 30, is another warning passage. And listen to how it warns us in a similar way. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? Oh, can you hear how weighty that language is for those who don't have the kind of regard that Jesus deserves, huh? Again, another warning. Back to Hebrews 2. The word there in verse 3 is neglect if we neglect, huh? This is not attending to something that warrants or demands such attention. In Matthew 22 and 5, it's the neglect of an invitation that had been given. And here's what it said. They paid no attention and went off, one to his form, another to his business. Huh? In First Timothy 4 and 14, Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy with the counsel of the elders when they laid hands on you. Huh? Careful, not casual, so as not to neglect what has been given to us and trusted to us. This means that you revisit the truth so as to be firmly anchored in it. Christian education Understanding is ongoing. Practice is ongoing. We must be sharp. We must, must not be dull. We must be alert. Lack of alertness can lead us to compromise. And we need to give regular attention to what we believe and what we have embraced huh? already. Embracing truth about God's great son, Jesus, can give can keep you and me from drifting. This truth, friends, must not be set aside, must not be ignored. And if you find yourself drifting, perhaps you need to revisit what we see in today's text as to the significance of God's Son 
and the great salvation that comes through him. The picture of the S-O-N son in Hebrews is brighter than the S-U-N son that I love to see rising or setting. I relish seeing that. But more than that, I relish seeing and understanding and loving Jesus himself. What about you? Is that how you feel about him? Several years ago, I believe the year was 2017, we experienced a solar eclipse. The solar eclipse is when the moon temporarily blocks the light of the sun and it really, really grows dark. I remember, I mean, it was 12 o'clock, one o'clock when the eclipse sent here and it got so dark that the automatic sensors on the lights in the neighborhood pushed the lights on, huh? Friends, brothers and sisters, you and I must not allow anything to eclipse the brilliance of God's Son. And that is what was happening in the text. We must not anything to to temporarily or to permanently block the brilliance of the sufficiency of the Son of God and what he has brought. What we see here of the Son can help us to hold fast when we are tempted to quit or to throw in the towel or to say enough. Don't allow people or philosophies or personal choices eclipse the brilliance of what we of what we see in Hebrews chapter 1 we have the warning in chapter 2 but the beauty of it all is that <laughs> there are other uh, glimpses of the brilliance of the son of god all through the book of Hebrews huh he comes to save to the fullest extent and anything that comes to eclipse our understanding of that must be rejected. Again, there are various things that can get in the way in our day and time, sometimes our own lifestyles, friends, can eclipse the beauty of God's Son and and we we feel within ourselves uh, uh, an independent independence from God, and we reject the wisdom of God, and that can eclipse the beauty of God's Son. Don't allow it to do that. God's great Son is our great Savior who deserves our great devotion. So as the song says that we sing at this time of year, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Jesus Christ the Lord, we give him our devotion. We give him our devotion. We give him our devotion. 
Christ the Lord. Advent season 2020 is a great time to take the time to listen again to God's great son who has brought our great salvation. He has prepared a feast and he invites us to come and partake of it. And that feast is none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Shall we pray, Father? Thank you that we see from this text that great salvation through a great son demands and deserves a great response. And may that great response be our devotion. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you.